Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leoni, will have smart discussion with experts, thought leaders, and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation, and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight it's really a big, big pleasure because I have Ilenia Vitili together with me. Hi, Ilenia, how are you? Hey, Gregorio, I'm great, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I really say thank you very much for taking time to participate to, to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. It's really, really a pleasure because we had the introduction in Italian, but now we are going to speak in English because we want that the audience can understand that. Before we deep dive in the topic that it will be clearly your book, uh, Journey to Centricity, uh, we would like to learn a bit about you. And therefore, the first usual question, Ilenia, could you please introduce yourself? Ah, oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much for reading Journey to Centricity. It's such a pleasure for me and an honor that you are you're reading it and you're enjoying it. So, well, as you know, and um, I'm, I'm originally Italian. I'm precisely from Sardinia. I grew up in the Sardinian countryside until I was 19 years old. Uh, basically, I uh, lived abroad for half of my life to date. <laughs> That's quite a long time. Uh, including nine years in Cambridge, UK, where I graduated, pursued my university studies and conducted corporate marketing for some of the most successful multinationals in the world and also startups. Then in 2017, I left my corporate job um, to do what I do today, um, customer centricity advisory, keynote speaking and uh, writing about customer centricity, in fact, um, journey to centricity in this case. And above all, I am a daughter, a sister, a citizen of the world. I'm an avid book reader, <laughs> nature and an animal lover and many, many other things. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. But I think that's, that's really interesting. And some, that, something that I never shared, the first half of my honeymoon was in Sardinia. It was an outstanding experience in the experience, really lovely places, great food and great people. Oh, thank you. Such Thank a you. pleasure to hear. Yes, I think that uh, there are also really nice places not far away, at least for us, and it's a really nice place to be. Perhaps to a bit deep dive more about yourself, which values drive you in life? Which values drive me in life? Wow, that's this is a really, really interesting question. Um, actually, do you know what, Gregorio? Nobody has ever asked me this question in a podcast interview, <laughs> which is really interesting. So on a personal level, what I really value in life are relationships, family, friends, so people around me. Um, I value their genuinity, their humility, their simplicity, their integrity, and what difference they make in the world. Um, so a lot of these personal values are directly correlated to my work. And as you are reading in my book, uh, I believe that you're probably getting the idea of what my values are in life. Um, on a professional level, I'm uh, very driven by bringing humanity to business. And this is translated in almost everything I do with my work, my talks, my research, my writing, my reading, uh, my workshops, you know, connecting with my clients and, uh, and shaping what are their strategies. So I was, you know, the, this was, these, these values were very much um, shaped and strongly shaped 
in my in while I was writing my book, uh, which has really strengthened my mission that of um, inspiring companies to embrace a higher purpose, create value for all stakeholders and contribute positively to society. So this is, in a nutshell, what my values are. Um, I hope they make sense. It totally makes sense. And only touching the first one that you mentioned, customer experience, it's all about relationship. And therefore, we are, you are in the right community, in the right place to be, and we are really happy to, to, to have you in this community. Uh, perhaps... Now we are going to deep dive in your book, Journey to Centricity, and I think it's really worth it to read it. And therefore, I ask, please, dear audience, please pause the podcast, go to Amazon or wherever you want, buy the book, and then come back, because now Lenia will share some insights. But it's really worth it to read, to read the book. And I think we should, we should start, start, start discussing about customer to centricity. Uh, you are speaking about three main topics. It's culture, it's technology, and it's humanity. This is not the, the, a priority list, but these are the three main topics. Where does the idea from your book come? So within the last year of my employment as an employee, I started noticing that the gaps between companies and their stakeholders were far too wide. And that means what customers and employees wanted was completely disconnected, basically the opposite from what companies gave them, right? And I noticed that it was the same story for every company I worked for and every company I'd watch from the outside. And this happened and continues to happen today because companies see the world from the internal perspective with their own objectives rather than the external perspective that of customers, of course, in the case of customer centricity. Um, and that factor got stuck into my mind for a very long time and got even stronger where I switched to work from companies, for companies, from as an employee to as an external advisor. So in 2021, I thought that if we really want to close those gaps, we needed to restructure completely the business narrative And so I decided to put my views and opinions down into what today is journey to centricity. It was an extremely difficult piece of work, as you can imagine. And believe me that this book is the hardest thing I've ever done in my professional life so far, but it's also the proudest piece of my professional life. Um, because I know that in my little way, I'm contributing to change what I believe is The wrong is a wrong business narrative. So I think um, this is how Journey to Centricity came about. It really does come from my personal values and my professional values. Uh, and I really like that and I really enjoy that. Also reading through your book, it's not only your ideas or your thoughts, but you were really interviewing a lot of people, a lot of thought leaders, and you were able to structure all this information, all this idea together to create such a masterpiece piece that it's really, really interesting and can help us in the customer experience community. I think one big topic, and this is something that you were sharing at the beginning, it's, it's about on one side, it's maximizing profit. This is what the most companies are still doing. And on the other side, it's humanizing business. Could you please elaborate a bit on that? So 
You know, since centuries ago, the main purpose of a business has been, and it still is actually, that of maximizing profit, um, and which is completely fine. And uh, the only problem with this sole focus of a business is that it becomes detrimental for everyone and everything involved. And most of the times, this is what happens. You know, um, if we have as an objective, as a purpose, that of maximizing profit, it means that the customer gets completely forgotten or seen only as a number and the employee as well. And the planet, the environment in which we live, the communities, the society in which we live gets completely forgotten, right? Because of course we are driving a business from the greed of that sole objective. Um, and that's why I wanted to, if we, well, basically, if we want to switch, make that switch from maximizing profit to human centricity, you know, to put the human being at the center, we need to have that shift in mindset, that shift in focus. And that means restructuring the whole business, basically. Because having a human-centric perspective means that we are forced to improve every aspect of our business, from the quality of our decisions to our operations and the product or service that we provide. You know, it's just a different focus, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to maximize profit, we're not going to make profit. We can definitely do both. Um, so when the main focus is that of uh, human-centric, in our case, customer-centric, we put the customers at the center all the decisions are taken based on what the customer wants and how we can make the life of the customer happier, do you know? And uh, if we do that, if we do that, then of course that customer will remain with us for a long term, will buy from us more and more time. And this is obviously um, what customer interest, uh, experience also is about and will refer us to other people what does that mean? That means that it will maximize profits, right? So it is really a, a switch in, in mindset, really. And I believe, so I wanted to make this distinction in the book because I believe that these days businesses are under, are under a lot of pressure for many, many different reasons, such as commoditization of products, lack of relevance in highly saturated marketplaces, and especially more empowered consumers. So why should businesses bring more humanity into their strategies? Well, the reason number one is because customers require it. Having the best product in the market these days is not a differentiator anymore. For today's consumers, brand-customer relationship must go beyond that transaction. You know, so customers really want to talk to companies that care about them as human beings and not as wallets. And that's why I base the book all on customer expectations, customer needs and, and, and uh, values. Um, and that's why I believe that businesses need to do that shift, that mindset shift from short-term gain to long-term gain and creating a more deep, um, a deeper relationship with customers. 
Uh, it, it totally makes sense. And I think that's that's the target, not only having financial returns in the short term, but in the long term. And I think, and this is what I really enjoy reading also through your book, you are speaking about, the, let's say, I, need, I phrase it like the starting point, a company needs a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think there it's, how do you define a purpose and how can companies redefine, reshape their purpose that they can go to this customer centricity? So the way I see it is how a company makes a positive impact on people's lives and the world they live in. Purpose is deeply in, is, is, an, is a deep and intrinsic connection to the brand and what it stands for. This is how I see it. And it really must go beyond what uh, they sell. So the mere product of the business, right? Um, and that's it to the core of the brand, driving everything it does. Um, it, it's not something that we add on or something that comes and goes based on the budget we have, for example, you know. So very often I see meaningless purpose statements such as improving people's lives in, in, in every day. But what does it actually mean if it's not executed? So what are we actually doing to improve our customers' lives? Do you know what I mean? So my view of company purpose is very aligned with Michael Porter's and Mark Kramer professors of Howard Harvard's business school um, with a concept of shared value. So creating shared value is a shift from the traditional mindset that a company can either do good or make a profit to a business model that can generate sustainable profit, long-term profit, while also adding value to the world. And I don't mean donating some of the resources, some of the money to charity, for example. That's called corporate social responsibility, which is still very important to do. But I mean taking on board the interest of all stakeholders and adding value to them. I mean taking into account today's social and environmental problems, help tackle these problems and contribute positively to create a fair and sustainable world while strengthening competitive growth. We can do both. If we care about the environment, if we care about our customers, then we are forced to improve the products and service that we provide, right? And in that little um, purpose that we have, if we take a societal issue, for example, then we are forced to optimize what is the product to optimize what is um, the relationship with our farmers, for example, you know, to optimize the um, the relationship with the environment that we live in, in that case, for example, with our CO2 emissions and et cetera. So it really comes from what is our own objective? What are we actually doing? You know, so I always suggest to my clients to start from a societal issue that they truly believe in tackling and in um, helping to um, get rid of, let's say, and and start from there. And um, and, and here is where I link back to the concept that we can do both make a profit and being a stakeholder company. I've seen many companies, successful companies, that are for-profit companies, while they are also a stakeholder company. So it's more than doable. 
is just a mindset shift from short-term gain to a long-term gain. And it totally makes sense. And I really like the example that you have in uh, in your book about this uh, uh, coffee brand sharing their, their view. It's one of your clients. You can name that. No problem at all. And and I really like because they're really sharing also the step that they went through to create that, to, to achieve that. And there you prove that it's possible. And therefore, I, I really like this. You explain something and then you have the example that proved that it's possible. And therefore, I really enjoy your book. Thank you very much, Gregor. <laughs> That's really nice to hear. Um, it's... Um... It's really rewarding when I when I when I hear my my readers' feedback, you know. Um, so I think we are encountering a time of um, deep uncertainty in the business world and in the world in general. And I think companies can do much more to help tackle these these societal issues and this uncertainty rather than focusing only on pursuing their self interest and their short term gains. Um, and also another another reason why I believe companies should have a higher purpose is because customers and employees require it, right? Would you work for a company that's interest is only that of maximizing profit, or would you rather work for a company that have a deeper purpose, for example, that's focused on helping society? on helping their community, on helping you as an employee to grow. So that, that's the difference. Which one would you rather go for? I mean, sure. to me, it's a brainer, you know, it's a yeah. no-brainer. I think nowadays with what everything is happening around the world, it's it's clear that uh, that's the second option that you are offering because I want to to create also value for other people. Also with this podcast, sharing this, this discussion, helping others to learn, to find out what is important, what is relevant. And, and I think it totally makes sense. You're often speaking also about um, humanity. And if we speak about humanity, it's the big topic about empathy. And you are also sharing quite a lot of great example in, in your books. Could you please elaborate a bit on that? Sure, yes. Um, so empathy, as we know, means understanding the customer perspective. So feeling that experience. What is like to be a customer of your company, for example, as if you're living their experience. Um, and then using that perspective in our problem solving and decision making. So it's a critical, critical component to developing and building a customer-centric culture. Well, because it enables customer perspective taking, right? I remember when I talked about the perspective of a company is that they usually see the world from the internal perspective, from the functions and uh, operations and uh, objectives and etc. But they totally forget the customer perspective. So if we are able to be more empathetic, um, if we are able to have more empathy and ingrained in the organization, we will be able to understand much more about our customers. Now, the problem is that empathy is seen as a feminine thing or a wishy-washy kind of soft skill, you know? Um, so leaders don't really um, care much about it or don't put it in their, <clears throat> excuse me, of, or don't put empathy as one of their priorities in their board agenda. Um, 
So I, I've seen what I've seen in, in companies is that as leaders rise in the rank of the organizations, they become increasingly disconnected from customers. So executive leaders and senior managers have never spoken to their customers, but they are trying to make decisions in their best interest. And that's, I mean, it's a paradox. How can you possibly understand your customers and their experiences if you're not interacting with them, you're not listening to them? So that is customer empathy need to be baked into the day-to-day organizational rituals. But in order to do that, we, it needs to start from the leadership because if we don't role model um, uh, that skill to our employees and then, and then those employees um, transfer it to customers, how can we make it happen? It will never happen, right? So in order to do that, how can we do it? We need to um, have this empathic, sorry, empathetic empathic, oh gosh, <laughs> empathic behavior um, with their teams, such as asking questions, what would our customers think about this before making decisions, right? So those frontliners, for example, they should be asked, what do you think? How do you think we can improve the relationship with our customers? What do you think? What would our customers think about this? You know, um, if we want to lead with empathy, we must understand that it's not just a soft skill, but it's a critical quality that we need in organizations today. And I believe that as much as we um, invest in technologies, in new softwares, and uh, in many other initiatives that are critical for the business, we should invest in empathy. So training the, our empathy muscles um, our mm, in sorry yeah empathy muscles to um, to increase that understanding of customers to increase that empathy in our teams in our leadership and then for customers that's what I believe we should do. Is it possible to train empathy and do you have any suggestion how, how to, to 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 do that? And so, of course, it's, it's possible because uh, we as human beings, we have our um, mirror neurons, they are called, you know. Um, and these mirror neurons is where empathy sits, basically. It can be developed from there. Um, how can we do it? In the same way that we train our aerobic muscles, you know, our aerobic capacities, we can train our um, mirror neurons to um, believe and, and see more and be more empathetic. So what we can do, we can obviously, um, for example, the other day I was listening to an interview about um, of um, Albert Schultz, Starbucks CEO, if you remember. And he said that in 40 years of running the business, during every Monday meeting, board, um, board meeting, they had two empty chairs as a metaphor for employees and customers. And if they wanted to shape a new strategy, for example, the first thing they would do would be to ask themselves, would this strategy make our customers happy? Would this strategy make our employees happy? You know, and that is putting yourself in the customers and employees' shoes. 
That is basically what it means to be more empathetic, right? Uh, to understanding the other's perspective. So another way that it can be done, that we can develop this empathy muscle is by spending more time with customers, obviously, <laughs> listening to them and spending more time with them um, so that employees can shape that understanding of customers. And another way of doing this is to physically design the actual experiences so that employees see what customers feel. And I have a lot of examples in my book, um, if you remember about this and how companies are actually doing um, in developing their empathy muscle. Thank you very much. It uh, times is flying, but I still want to ask some some questions. And uh, one one th one thing that I think it's extremely relevant, and I really like from your book, it's it's topic around trust. Mm. It's uh, because between two human beings, I can understand, and it's easy for everybody to understand how to create trust. But how is it pos possible to trust an organization that is continuously changing? The board is continu continuously changing. What, what's your view on that? So let's start from the fact that when consumers buy our products or services, they make that decision based on trust. And trust is created on whether companies are able or not to keep their promises, right? So I buy this product. I don't, I've never heard of this company. I've never heard of this product, but I trust what you are telling me in the advertisement, in the marketing, in, in the brochure, in your website, and in everything, right? Consumers want to do business with companies that they trust. And that trust is created, as you say, um, I, I use the, the, the verb earned over time, in a long term. So organizations have two currencies, money and trust. The currency of money, as we know, is measurable and it can be exchanged with products and services that we provide. Um, then every organization in the world has another type of currency, trust. If money is a currency of transactions, trust is a currency of interactions. So in this case, customers interact with brands all the time. And um, so to answer this question, to answer your question, how can companies earn trust? Now let's let's start from, from this misconception that is very common in the business world that a company can build trust. And that implies that a company is in control. Instead, companies can earn trust from their customers. And that is done over and over in a very, very long time. So there are four traits that I believe and uh, that I believe trust is earned. So two of them are emotion-based soft traits. Integrity, so, and this is about the customer values, are they aligned? And the brand values, are they aligned? And in other words, is your company promise aligned with, with these actions, you know? So that is a purpose. If you say that your um, products are healthy and, you know, if you say that this is X societal issue that you're trying to tackle, but then it's not true, that is not integrity. That's greenwashing, you know? Um, second emotional-based trait is empathy. And as we said earlier, and this involves walking in someone's shoes and understanding their emotions and understanding their perspective. Now, the rationally based heart traits, and these are very much shaped 
on the product side, basically. First one is competence, which answers the question, can this company help me? Is it capable? Does it have the skills to do what it says it can do? Does this product satisfy my needs kind of kind of thing, you know? And then the second one is reliability, which depends on two things, responsiveness. So does the company shows up on time and answer questions? Are you there? You know, are you helping me in a way? And consistency of behavior over time. So how consistent are you with your behaviors? So that's how I believe trust is earned. But it's a strategy that is obviously needs to be nurtured and done over time for a very long time. Because once it's broken, that's a very difficult situation to be in. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed the discussion, but we are coming to an end of this game. And I want to ask you some, some questions, still some questions. What's your sure. biggest learning from the book? Right. So the biggest learning that I want my readers um, to take away from Journey to Centricity can be summarized in one word, change. And, and that means change outdated product mentalities, change the narrow focus on short termers change the excessive, the excessive tech automation, which are all liabilities for the customer-centric culture that we want to create. So the, this is the, the biggest learning. As you come to the end of the book, it will come even more clear. <laughs> Thank you very much. And um, as, a, uh, as a C customer experience thought leader, the question that I always ask is, Closing our eyes, we are 10 years from now. And what we are speaking about in customer experience? So I believe that, well, I would like to see customer experience um, more human, you know, and that links back to my personal values. I'd like to see customer experience started from a deeper purpose. I'd like to see companies be more human and have a more deep relationship with their customers on a more empathic and trustworthy and more humanized way. I'd like to see a balance between optimization of um, technology and uh, optimization of customer interactions, you know. And I'd like to see a culture in which employees feel safe and feel valued um, and um, feel valued in the way that um, they want and they can interact with their customers. That's the way I'd like to see customer experience in 10 years. I think not only you, all of us, thank you very much for this, uh, for this summary. And now really in the last minutes of, of the game, is there a book that you would like to suggest to the audience next to your? <laughs> Um, yeah, so there is a book that really um, I really liked, and it's um, The Heart of Business by Hubert Jolie, former CEO of Best Buy. I really, really enjoyed this book. Thank you very much. And if somebody would like to contact you, what's the best way? So I'm quite active on LinkedIn, so listeners can follow me on there. And or get in touch with me by my website, ileniavidili.com. Thank you very much. And we will put all this information also in the show notes. And now we are really coming to the last question. Is Ilenia Golden Nugget, it's something that we discussed or something new that you would leave to the audience? Uh, 
Right. Golden nugget. I would like to say that technology, products, and profits come and go, but is the purpose, mindset, and soul of the business that stays. And this is also <laughs> a phrase that um, closes my book, basically. Thank you very much. Outstanding, outstanding reminder. We can learn something and I think we learned a lot. Therefore, thank you very much, Elenia, for your time. Please stay with me and also to the audience. Thank you very much. It was a great pleasure to have Elenia. Please give us your feedback by Elenia's book, A Journey to Centricity. And let's keep in touch because feedback helps us to grow and to get better. Thank you very thank much. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it, share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.